Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. this morning a little bit, um, kind of today's theme of the message is going to be, it's going to be basically running on fumes, and so we're going to talk what that looks like and what that means, and before we get going, let's pray. And Father God, thank you for this day that we come together in your place to honor and glorify you, and Father, I just ask that your words today just reach out and touch us, touch us in those places that we keep hidden, those places that Maybe we don't allow you in. And Father, I just thank you for the word that you have today because your word's so good. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you this. Anybody ever run out of gas before? Oh my gosh, there was more than I thought. So, well, at least you're going to know what I'm talking about here. And what I'm getting at is, you know, it's a horrible feeling, right? I mean, it's just a horrible feeling. You, You look down at the gas gauge and the kind of the drama starts playing out when you sit there and see that the needle is not just on E, but it's past it. I didn't even know it would do that. I've ran out of gas and I saw it. What's it doing? And what happens as you're going down the road, you've got this laser-focused target on your gas gauge, not wanting to look at anything else, just praying for your car to make it that one last mile to get to that next gas station, and you just keep going and pressing and moving in, and then all of a sudden something very terrible happens. You hear a horrible sound. Silence. Worst sound you can hear. And the reason is, is because your engine and your car shut off. And as you glide and move your vehicle to the side of the road, maybe all you hear is the crunching of gravel in your tires. And you've officially run out of gas. So let me ask you another question this morning. Have you really ever run out of gas Spiritually. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going to church and doing so out of duty, but not out of desire. Does that make sense? I'm talking about going through the motions, maybe saying you're a Christian, and, but that's about as far as we go. In other words, we talk the talk, but we don't really walk the walk, do we? Maybe we pray occasionally. Maybe we pick up the Bible and and read the Word sometimes, but not ever enough to where it makes a difference in our lives. Maybe we give once in a while, but not till it hurts. What I'm getting at is, have you ever found yourselves cruising around in life with the needle of your spiritual gas tank hanging beyond the E? Are you running on fumes this morning? If you are, then I have a word for you today. And it's just for you because it's time to fill up. It's time to fill up. I mean, you may have pulled in here this morning on empty, but I'm praying that you're going to be leaving on full after we're done today. Amen? You may have come here today just maybe out of spiritual obligation. 
Maybe you come here today because that's what Christians do on Sunday. I'm here to tell you that I'm praying that you will leave with a fire burning inside you with which rivers of living water will come forth and that you're going to be leaving with some passion. You're going to be leaving with some destiny. You're going to be leaving here this morning with some purpose. And you're going to be leaving with some spiritual gas in your tank because it's time for you to get filled up. So here's the thing. Many Christians today, we're, we're running on a half to a quarter tank of gas in our vehicles every day. And we're trying to operate just the same as a child of God while our spiritual gas tanks are on empty. But Jesus never designed it to be that way. God never intended us to walk around with our spiritual tanks a half to a quarter full. And he surely didn't come to this world to die on a cross for us so that we can go around running on spiritual fumes just waiting to run out of gas. Christ has laid out a blueprint for an abundant life. Life to the fullest, a new life, a life everlasting. But the question is, how do we prepare ourselves for that kind of life? What do we have to do in order to move ourselves from being just about out of spiritual gas and operating on empty into a season of overflow? And that's a great question. Not just because I thought of it, but it's because it, we don't really have to look any further than the Scripture that give us the answer. See, Ephesians 1, 13-14 says this. This is Paul speaking. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, and we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, what's that saying? What Paul is saying here is that when a person believes in the gospel, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit. They get all of the promise of the Holy Spirit the moment that they believe. They don't get more of the Spirit later. The Spirit gets more of you later. Because the Spirit dwells in, in His children, and He does so fully. Look at 1 John 4, and it's verses 13 and 16. It says this, this is how we know that we live in Him, and Him in us. He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. See, church, here's the thing. To operate in the spirit of overflow, in this atmosphere of overflow that we're looking for, we need to quit holding back. We need to get out of the way and quit creating barriers for the Holy Spirit and let Him do the work that God intended Him to do in our lives. See, here's the thing. Education can't give it to you. Money can't give it to you. Cars, houses, all the toys that you think you can have won't do it for you. King Solomon said it this way, one of the wisest and richest men of the Old Testament. He says it's vanity. It's all vanity. And we're not talking self-indulgence here, but rather uselessness. All that stuff is uselessness when it comes to the kingdom of God. 
Now I want to switch lanes for you here just for a second. So I'm going to give you a story of what it means to get in the way of something. I don't know if I should tell this or not. It'll follow me here too for the next two and a half years or so. So about two and a half years ago, we took, uh, Christy and I took Matt and Elisa Johnson, that's, a, that's our senior pastor, our lead pastor, and his wife to Branson, Missouri. I grew up in that area down there. I hauled my boat from Amarillo all the way there, 580 miles. We get there, we go put the boat in the water, my wife backs it right in, I pull it right off, it's, the engine's running, I'm sitting there next to the courtesy dock, and Matt and Elisa get in, I mean, they're very timid, they're like, man, is this thing going to float? I mean, you know, they just, they don't care for some of that stuff. And, I mean, they got like three life jackets on each, like one each leg here and here, and they just... And we're getting into the river. They call it a lake, but it's really a river down in Tanicomo. The water temperature is rather cool. It stays a constant 52 degrees year-round and because uh, it's fed out underneath the table rock. And I want to run them up to the dam. Well, we're getting there, and we're starting to take off from the boat dock. Matt looks over because he's sitting next to me and points and says, Is that right? Well, he's pointing at the gas gauge, and it's on E. Like, ah, don't worry about it. It's all good. That thing doesn't work sometimes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, don't worry. But man, we got plenty, Matt. Don't worry about it. And so we, yeah, you see where this is going, right? And so we take off, and it's a 15-mile run from where we're at to get to the dam. And I want to take them up to the dam up there to show them what's, what it's all about and how cool it is. Well, at the, about the 11-mile mark... I heard that wonderful noise, silence. The boat quit. And then I heard screaming and hollering. And I thought I had a mutiny on my hands. Um, I thought I was going to have to walk the plank. Um, and I, I tried not to get mad. I didn't. But, and Matt goes, did you run out of gas? I go, no, there's something wrong with the motor. <laughs> he goes, I think you ran out of gas. I said, mm-mm, didn't run out of gas. Yeah, I was denial all the way to the end, right? Um, and so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I'm going, okay, we're good. The bad thing about all of this is not the 11 miles that we had to travel to get back, because it was downstream. And the water was running pretty good that day. I put the trolling motor in, and I can operate it remotely from the front of the boat, I mean, from the back of the boat. And so I sit there, and we just, we just talked and everything. In the back of my mind, I said, I bet I'm not a guest, but I'm not going to tell them. Um, and we get down there, and I start to, I see the dock. Here it comes. And I start to turn the trolling motor to get us over there so I could get the boat out. And it's like, there's the dock. And there's the dock. And there, the trolling motor quit. It, yeah. It runs electricity. Didn't run out of gas on that. So um, my wife is screaming and hollering at this other boat to come get us and this little aluminum boat that's about ready to sink as it is towed us over and we got out. And so I, I mask going, you're out of gas. I said, no, I'm not. I'll prove it to you. I'll take you to the gas station. <laughs> and I, the boat holds like 30 gallons and I put in 31 and a half. <laughs> and I told him, I said, see, I showed him the receipt. I said, see, I'm not out of gas. I'm full. What I'm getting at is I got in the way. I'm the one that got in the way. My arrogance and my pride made it where that all happened. 
And it kept me from doing what I, I should have done. And what I'm getting at is if you, if you want to move out uh, into the miraculous of, of getting out, you need to get out of the way. You need to step back, get out of the way, and, and just allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up. When a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, he, man, I'm telling you, there, what we do is we allow his presence to come into us at that moment, into our entire life, into every room, into every closet, and into every junk drawer that we have. See, we were never meant to live segmented lives. And what I mean by that is when, where we give God maybe one part of our life, but not the other. To be filled with his presence means you have allowed him to have every part of you. And it's only in giving him access to every part that you experience the presence of his transforming grace, even in those areas that you may have walled off and hidden. So let's talk for just a minute what it means to be full and overflowing. Here's a few definitions I want you to remember. It's containing as much of or as many as is possible. Complete, being at the highest or greatest degree, possessing a rich or pronounced quality, satisfied. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, we contain as much of God as is humanly possible. We are complete in Christ because of the death, burial, and resurrection. We are at our highest and greatest degree because we are risen with Him. And we possess the richest, most pronounced qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, and faith, known as the fruit of the Spirit. And lastly, our souls are satisfied. Think of it this way, who can satisfy your soul like Jesus can? No one. And see, when I think of being full too, it's, it's, it takes me back to those times when maybe you had your mother or grandmother or you had your whole family together and they got this big banquet laid out for you. It's got all your favorite foods sitting there, including those awesome desserts, which I usually went to first, as if you can tell. That wasn't funny. <laughs> wasn't supposed to be. But you have all that sitting there, and you just eat your fill. And then what happens afterwards, right? Afterwards, we're sitting there, well, we're collapsing on the couch or falling back in the recliner because I just can't walk any further. And you're so full that you can't, you can't move a muscle. Nothing. And if the fire would happen to break out in the house, well, I'm sorry, you're going down with the house because you're just so full you can't get up off that recliner. I'm sorry. Usually you go by and somebody hands you a hot dog and marshmallows and never mind, it's like... Here, I'll get that afterwards. Or maybe it's like filling up your gas, your boat with gas when there was li very little to begin with and actually watching it read full. But the thing is, you're so full that you cannot move a muscle. You really couldn't if you wanted to. See, church, that's the type of full that God desires you to be. He wants you to be so full of the Holy Spirit that you can't move a muscle. And you have to depend solely upon Him. 
He wants you to be so full of the Holy Spirit that you have to surrender your will to his desire and your ability to his filling. When you eat from the buffet table of God's, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's first, it's second, third, fourth, on and on and on. And God wants you to be so full of him that you're busting out of the seams with Christ and you're, it's a constant filling and it's not a one time through the line. That's not it. No church. It's when God does the filling, it's over and over and over again. It's a little fuller each time. It's a little better each time. It's a little tastier each time. And the best part of it all is when, when is the deal is when God picks up the check at the end of the day and he says it's paid in full. Church, it's time to fill up. The Holy Spirit is the fuel for us. Let me say it one more time because it's so important. The Holy Spirit is the fuel for us. Jesus knew this. If you stop and remember this, is before his time of testing, before the 40 days and 40 nights, he spent in the wilderness where he was tempted. He understood that he needed fuel to sustain him during those trials. And the only fuel that could sustain him was the Holy Spirit. So there's three things I want us to consider this morning. Besides making sure your boat's full of gas. Is being full of the Holy Spirit. The, the first thing that we to think about and to consider this is purpose. We get asked that all the time, don't we? We ask, what's our purpose? So I want you to understand something here right off the bat that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not by some chance. It's not some 292 million, what do I got down? 201,338 chances to win a lottery. It doesn't work like that. It's not something that you stumble upon. There was always a purpose behind the filling. And when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, it was all for a purpose. What was that? Well, it was the start of his ministry. It was the purposeful act that started a destiny in motion. A destiny that would usher in the church and also God's grace and salvation for all of those who believed in His Son, Jesus. It was for a purpose that He was filled with the Holy Spirit because He knew that there would be testing and temptation ahead. So what purpose does God have in store for you? He didn't save you and fill you with the Holy Spirit just so he could put you up on a shelf someplace. He didn't save you and fill you so that you could sit on some chair in some church as a trophy of his grace. He has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, and it involves being full of the Holy Spirit and sharing the gospel in some form or fashion somewhere. His plan is to prosper you, prosper you and give you an abundant life according to what He needs you to do, not necessarily what you want or you desire. If I get the keys to come up, I know we got a ways to go. So to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, and I'll touch a little bit more on this in a, in a couple minutes, is being an air traffic controller when I first started, 
Um, I started in Springfield, Missouri. That was home for me. I was very, very lucky. Uh, that's where I learned to fly, so I knew the area really well. And so it was pretty easy for me to, to do that. Plus, coming out of the military, I'd already been doing it. But part of that career choice allows us to go to different places. We don't just go to one place and stay, and we move up into, our, into the system to be, go to very busier, busier, busier places. Um, I went from there to Wichita, Kansas, uh, which was a very busy facility. It would be considered like a medium-large. And I had sights set on Chicago O'Hare, Miami, Dallas-Fort Worth, L.A. of my next move until I met her. And when I met her, things began to change. Um, and that her is my beautiful wife I have sitting right here smiling at me right now. See if she is by the time I'm done. Um, and so what, what started is I started moving my career. I had my sights set, where I was going to go, what I was going to do, what it was going to look like. And my wife comes to me and said, I want to move back home to Amarillo because I want to be closer to my parents. And, she's, and I go, well, how long do we got to go there? Because Amarillo was not, a, not even a ladder. It was a step down for me. And, you know, I'm thinking my career is what's important. This is what needs to be done, and I have a timeline for that. And she goes, you only got to stay here a couple of years, and then we'll look at moving. That was 28 years ago. Um, what I'm getting at with this is it doesn't matter what you think you're going to do. Doesn't matter what you think, where you're going to be, what you're going to do, what it's going to look like. God can change that in a moment. And He changed it in that moment when I met this wonderful lady and set me on a whole different trajectory, even though I didn't know it. And during all this time, so many things changed in my life. They weren't all good. I had some rough times, we both did. But because I was such a great husband and such a great guy, we got through all that. And <laughs> I was so obedient. <laughs> you hear her laugh, right? So that, we know that's not true. Um, but that's what, that's what happens. And as things change in our lives, so long as we learn to stay obedient, we stay to bend to God's will and do what happens, things change in a very miraculous way. What I'm trying to tell you here is he has a plan for you. And he has a plan that gives you hope. And he has a plan that gives you a future. And his plan always gives birth to your purpose. Think about it. Who would have thought back then when I started, I'd be standing in front of you right now preaching the gospel. Never thought of it. Matter of fact, when the, the, the thought that came up when, when somebody actually came to my house and said, there's a preacher living here, I was far from it. Trust me. And I got told that later. I just cried because there was no way. But God has a plan. And He has a people. And it's you. You're His people. But you have to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. So how does that happen? How, how, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us? And It's, it's through faith. And we were saved by grace through faith and you were filled by the Holy Spirit through your faith. That very precious moment, that very instant when you said yes to Jesus and you believed in your heart and you confessed it with your mouth that He is the one true Savior. 
who hung, bled, and died just for you so you could have everlasting life is when it happened. You were justified in that moment. So then ask yourself, what's my purpose? It's like, man, I know you've got a plan for me, God. I know you have a plan for me. And I know the plan is a good plan, but what is my purpose, God? What on earth have I been put here to do or whom have I been put here to reach? See, when God fills us with the Holy Spirit, He puts inside of us, each one of us, a purpose. But it's up to us to find out what that purpose is. So my, my thing to you is, what, what pulls on your heartstrings? Which group of people just tugs at your heart? What country just makes you cry out? Begin to seek the Lord in prayer on all of these kingdom matters. Get on God's plan. Let Him fill you and then watch. Just stand back and watch as He pours purpose into your life. You may not notice it right there and then. You may not see it. You may not understand it. But you will. I can promise you that. Not only have I experienced it, I've witnessed it over and over again in ministry where you have people who have worked their entire life towards creating a successful career and when all of a sudden what happens is they accept Jesus as their Savior filled with the Holy Spirit and the Lord reveals His plan to them. Their lives are changed forever because in that one direction they were going, they just did a 180 and are going a complete opposite direction. Completely away from that whole entire life that they were creating for themselves because now they're following Christ with a purpose for His people. And that's being full of the Holy Spirit which leads to obedience and God's will. Purpose was the first key. The second is preparation. You see, God fills us with the Holy Spirit to to share in His purpose and then to prepare us for the testing and temptation to come. Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit for a purpose to usher in God's grace and salvation and for preparation for a season of testing and temptation. The Holy Spirit prepares us for that battle that is yet to come. Let me share this with you. If Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and could withstand 40 days and 40 nights of testing and temptation with no food, no water, who was tempted and tried with the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, yet was found without sin, we should take rest in the fact that we have the same Holy Spirit that lives inside each and every one of us. See, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And what I'm getting at here is we all feel like we're in a a, a special situation because it's, it's personal to us. Let me tell you, it's not that special. Somebody, somewhere, yesterday, last week, last month, last year, a thousand years ago, have experienced the exact same thing that you're going through right now. 
But here's the thing, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can handle it. Look, church, it's like being stuck in an escape room with all these things stacked up around you and you don't have a clue how to get out of there. But he's given you a way out. He's put the directions. He's put the clues. He's given you everything you needed, including the Holy Spirit as a GPS to get out of that room. Get out of your room. Get out of your junk drawer. It's time to let the Holy Spirit do what he was intended to do in your life. It's time to stop holding back. And it's time to fill the tank and fill it to overflowing. If you guys would all stand, we'll start to close this out. And The last thing I have for you is not only do we have purpose and preparation, finally in closing, we come to the final key, and that is declaration. Now, God's plan of us being full of the Holy Spirit leads to what? It leads to God's purpose, which leads to God's preparation, which leads to our declaration. And what I'm talking about is that declaration is our testimony. This is where we get our chance. It's our turn now. It's, this is where we get to do our part. This is where our responsibility begins. You see, up to this point, it's been all about God and what he is doing for us. But when we reach declaration, I mean, when we reach our testimony, what I'm talking about is we start to giving back to God. Because why? We get to yell it from the rooftops. We get to shout it from the mountaintops. We get to declare him from the street corners in our prisons and in our workplaces. We get to proclaim the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we shall overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. If there's one thing that we need to realize and know about the earlier early followers of Jesus Christ, even after his resurrection, it's that most, if not all of them, were still scared and fearful. And when the Spirit filled them, though, he turned these discouraged and frightened followers of Christ into a bold, fearless force that began to turn the world upside down. So much, church, that we need to be like Peter. In that moment, when he stood on the day of Pentecost and all, all, everybody pointed at him and said, hey, all those guys, they're drunk on wine and they're a bunch of nuts. In truth, it, all it was is a bold proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that day, 3,000 were saved. Yeah. Look, we've been quiet for way too long. It's been, we've been politically correct for way too long. And we've been all dressed up with no place to go. And nothing to say for too long. We need a boldness in us. We need a fire within us. We need to get out of the way. We need to become obedient and do God's will and glorify Him. Church, it's time to get filled up. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I just ask today that we open up those hidden places, those places that are been shut off to you. And I, I just ask for those today just to be opened up and filled with your love, filled with the Spirit. And then we come to you in repentance. 
that if we have to go to our knees, we go to our knees and just ask for you to love us like the Father that you are. Father, I just ask that each and every one of us take an inventory and allow the work that needs to be done with this to be done and to get out of the way and just to move to the side and watch how miraculous works that you can do in our lives. I just ask, Father, that we just do that. And knowing that you love us, you walk with us, And you have a great plan for us. Thank you for so much of all you do. And everything we do, we glorify you in Jesus' name. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.